All right. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. I had to push a couple of buttons, get the, the right buttons pressed and the volume up. I think we're good to go. We're live. Welcome back to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz. Uh, it so happens to be Monday if you're watching live with us. And um, I hope you had a great weekend. I did. Um, actually, my part of my photographer's edit team and myself, we had the opportunity to take a retreat. We went to Phoenix, Arizona, hung out in 90 plus degree weather, got to sit by the pool, do a food tour. It was actually really lovely. And um, so I had a nice week and I hope you did as well. And uh, I'm stoked to get into this week and man, a really wonderful guest and an interesting conversation today as well. I'll introduce Alex here in just a second. For those of you that are live streaming with us today on Facebook or on YouTube, Facebook or YouTube slash Boca Podcast, um, don't hesitate to join the conversation. If you want to throw in some thoughts, some ideas, ask a question, comment, don't be shy. It's meant to be a group conversation. So um, comment there in the, uh, feel free to comment as much as you'd like. And I'll bring those comments in as I can and make that part of the discussion today. And then for those of you who are listening to this after the fact, as I always say, follow us on Instagram, Boca Podcast, B-O-K-E-H Podcast. And um, make sure that you keep up to date with the upcoming live stream schedule. We've been doing one to two a week. We're going to continue that probably more consistently two a week. And um, so come join us occasionally for those live streams and become part of the conversation. And then last note before I introduce our guest for today, as I always promise I would do, I propped a little receipt there up on the screen. That's the receipt to Charity Water, donation to Charity Water that I made today before the podcast started. And I, again, just do this as a means to encourage everybody listening in to look for opportunities to give. It's amazing how a little bit of money can go a long way. And whether it's to local organizations or national, international organizations, look for those opportunities to give back today. Uh, we're pretty lucky. The fact that we have a phone or computer that we can watch or listen to this on even suggests that we're pretty lucky. So a few bucks can go a long way. Look for those opportunities to give back. All right. Well, enough of the introduction and monologue today. I want to introduce our brand new guest, Alex. And Alex, I'm going to try your last name one more time. Alex Mac. Mac, Mac oh, please, for, please pronounce it for me. I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to pronounce it, and then also figuring the, the accent in at the same time. I think that's what's throwing me off. But I, I appreciate you helping me out. <laughs> no problem. And, and Alex has been so gracious to, he actually reached out a little while ago and um, we, we talked about the idea of discussing his kind of foray into photographing weddings for budget conscious brides and grooms. And I think this is a really interesting topic that we're going to get into in quite a bit of detail today. I've talked about it a little bit before on the podcast, but Alex, thanks for being willing. Thanks for being willing to come join the conversation in the community. I, I'm pretty stoked about this. No, I mean, it's, I think it's, uh, as I was saying to you before we came on air, I find your podcast such a great um, source of information. Because, oh. because like you say, I know you're trying to keep it practical, but I mm. find literally every single one I listen to, you pick up something. For, even if it's something like you would go, I could never think of doing that kind of marketing. It wouldn't suit <laughs> me. But you just, you just look at how, and also you sort of, I find it inspiring when you have somebody on. I can't remember the. She was a Canadian. She was a First Nation woman mm -hmm. from Canada, mm -hmm. and she was just like, you know, I started two years ago, and now I've got this really thriving business. And she sort of basically started it through the COVID pandemic, if I remember yeah, rightly. Yeah, absolutely. You, go, you know, people with motivation. I mean, and a bit of luck and everything. You know, it's surprising what people can do. You know. 
it's it's so true yeah it's really true and we talked about you and i talked about this before we started before we went live today you know there's there's a tendency in our industry and, and i've talked about this on the podcast before uh, there's a tendency in our industry to kind of highlight a, a small select group of photographers number of photographers who sure may have found great success talented as photographers maybe talented as speakers and that's fine there's some there's definitely benefit there uh, but the unfortunate reality of that is that we hear from the same people all the time i love this podcast for multiple reasons one of which is that we get to highlight photographers from all over who in many cases don't get that that stage literally or figuratively and there's opportunity to learn from somebody, as you pointed out, whether they've only been in business for a couple of years or they've been in business for 20 years, um, or in your case, having even more experience than that as a photographer. And I'm going to get to that here in just a second. I'm, I'm actually quite fascinated by this. Uh, but I, I think I appreciate the kind words. And it certainly is a reflection of our goal here at the podcast, which is to bring practical, actionable information, even if it's a small bit of simple information that a photographer can go apply to their business immediately that's I'm, I'm super stoked to hear that that's happening. So I appreciate the kind words truly. Okay. That's welcome. So, and, and I, I want to kind of segue into your background as a photographer, because while we're going to be talking about kind of a new business venture for you today, uh, and we'll get more context to that here in just a second, you have quite a bit of experience as a photographer. I'm going to actually pull up your, your website here and for everybody listening in or excuse me, viewing live, um, and let me again, pushing the wrong buttons today here. There we go. Got it. Um, for anybody listening or watching live, you can see this on screen. A L E X M A C N A U G H T O N.com. And, uh, Alex, you're, I mean, I, I'm just kind of stunned because I never had this kind of technical expertise as a photographer and journalistic capability as a photographer that I see in your work here. Um, and just clicking over to your portfolio, such a wide variety of work. I mean, we've got just, you know, Owen Wilson, portrait of Owen Wilson pops up on screen right next to the, you know, a stunning image of a journalistic image here um, that looks like, I don't know, did you shoot this with film here? Yeah. Yeah. Film. I mean, just it's the wide range of, of work is just stunning to me. So I'd love for you to give some context to this because um, I, this is just fascinating to me. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been a photographer, I think this is 30 years now. Okay. And yeah, I mean, I was in a, I was basically in a factory job. I was working in pretty, I don't want to say dead end because lots of people work in factories, but you know, I was in a job working in a factory, but it had an interest in photography and, um, uh, the, I went to an exhibition by a very famous British uh, newspaper photographer called Don McCullen. Okay. And, and that sort of inspired me to become a newspaper photographer. Mm. And I, I did a, like a three month photography course at a college. And that was all the money I had. So I couldn't do any longer. And I, I basically had lost my job. <laughs> so it's one of these things. Yep. And I, I wasn't living in London at the time. I was living in a small town about an hour out of London mm. where, where nothing ever happened. You know, it's like nothing ever happened there. You know? And, um, but by chance, they were building a new motorway, like freeway around that town. And it was quite historic. And it was like one of the first very big environmental protests. This is 30 years ago. 
and I, I went up photographing that because I had nothing else to do. Interesting. Is that what and, that picture on the homepage is from? Um, the first picture. Um, yeah. No, that was from, it was sort of connected actually because that was a protest because the government changed the law about the right to protest mm. in the UK. So certain things which had been legal became illegal and stuff. And this was actually a protest against it. So it was all sort of connected in. There was a sort of three, four year period when there was a lot of stuff going on about it. And um, yeah, I did, I photographed it, it became a big story. And that meant I sort of got pictures published in national newspapers and the UK. And that's how I really started. So um, did it lead from journalism to, I, I'm still make, trying to make the connection between yeah. your obviously super talented journalistic work to a portrait of Owen Wilson. Like, how do you go from that to that? What, what's the story there? Oh, well, actually the portrait of Owen Wilson was actually a film still. I was working on a film. Um, Woody Harrelson was making a film in the UK. And um, I was the on-set photographer for the film. Okay. And it, it was quite a small, well, it was a biggish film but um, Woody Harrelson was calling him a lot of favours. So I didn't know. Owen Wilson is a good friend of his. So he was appearing in the film, but playing himself, but basically playing his sort of character a bit from that. Um, what's the film where he's playing a model, male model? Um, anyway, so he was sort of playing himself, camping it up as himself. Got um, it. Yeah. Okay. So, so it was all sort of, on the hoof. So in some ways, it sort of stemmed back from when I was a newspaper photographer. It wasn't as, I mean, actually, that was one of the few set up shots I managed to do uh, because of the way the film was being shot. Because um, it was quite a weird film because it was actually shot all in one take and then broadcast live at the same time. So it was a bit complicated. <laughs> Well, I, there's, there's such a, I, I, we have, you and I were talking about this before we got started today. We're, we're digging into a big topic today because we're, we're not just talking about the idea of photographing, um, shall we say just for the sake of simplicity, budget weddings or cost, cost conscious weddings, but we're also talking about the business model behind that. So we have a lot to talk about. I just wanted to at least give our listeners a little bit of context. So you would say probably your biggest the largest amount of experience that you have as a photographer is in journalism. And then have you kind of dabbled in portrait and wedding work on the side as well along the way? Um, well, I did. Yeah. I mean, I started off as a newspaper photographer, but then, and then I did that for really a lot for 10 years or so. But then I started doing a lot of corporate with corporate photography as well. And I also did, what, how many was it? Also published four books or got commissioned to do four books as well. Okay. Um, what type of books? So I did, they're on the website. There was, I did three of them were about street art, you know, things like Banksy. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So it was a, that sort of thing. Okay. And then I did one about people with tattoos. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I did, they, yeah, I mean, it was like, especially the first couple of books I did about street art. I mean, I think in total I've sold like 60,000 books. Goodness. Wow. Yeah. Well, again, yeah, I mean, this... they were commissioned. So 
so they were like you know it was a commission it wasn't it wasn't like I was going out to a market store with piles of books. But, no, well, but know, no need fun. to downplay that, though. That's actually really impressive. <laughs> and, and it's not commonplace for photographers. You know, I mean, they, you, occasionally a photographer will, will put a book out there and it may sell a few copies. But that's actually really interesting. And again, why I said that I was kind of fascinated by your background, because when I first saw your email and I started looking at your site, I was trying to kind of make sense of it all. Like you, here you've got all this experience as a photographer and super, I mean, just extremely talented. For anybody curious, again, make sure that you go to Alex's website. I'll pop it up here on screen. Alex McNaughton.com. <laughs> I'm going to pronounce that correctly. A-L-E-X-M-A-C-N-A-U-G-H-T-O-N.com. But um, you can go check out his portfolio there. But I, you, you said that you were interested in getting into wedding photography and not just wedding photography. I mean, it, it seems like the typical track and, and I'm guilty uh, as charged. The typical track is you get in, you start at kind of a, a lower end price point, and then you gradually work your way up to charging, you know, two, three, four, five thousand and even more. And that's fine, except the reality. And I've mentioned this before in the podcast. Maybe you're aware of this, Alex, but at least here in the U.S. market, between if you go to weddingreport.com, wedding report says between 70 and 80% of weddings photographed in the U S are photographed for two grand and below. And I have a feeling that those, that data includes probably, or is figuring in some, some weddings that were literally free, you know, a friend or family member photographed the wedding. So while all of these photographers are just going to like crazy, going to these high end weddings, mid to high end weddings, they're the actual larger percentage of the marketplace is on the low end. And that's, there's a massive business opportunity and, and there have been very few photographers or companies that have come along and actually tried to, at scale, serve that segment of the marketplace. And, and so I'm curious, what drew you to that segment of the marketplace versus trying to go higher and especially with all your experience? Um, well, I mean, the thing is, three years ago, I moved to Nairobi in Kenya and I don't want to go too much into the detail of it. But, you know, for a number of reasons, it hasn't worked out the way I hoped. And because of COVID and things like that, a lot of sort of quite large uh, clients I had have all disappeared. And I'm having to move back to the UK. Okay. So the problem with things like, things like uh, the stuff I was doing, um, if you're not there, they forget about you. <laughs> Well, so, yeah, that's that's kind of business in general, but yeah, yeah, yeah that makes also, sense. Newspaper work looks very glamorous, but it's terrible. I mean, the pay is terrible. I mean, and it's become worse. I mean, sure. I mean, going back like twenty, for example, going back, I'm thinking, well, I mean, like nearly twenty, nearly twenty-five years ago, people are being paid half of what I was being paid. And I mean, not taking inflation into account, wow. literally half. Wow. And then not, and also not being paid expenses. So they won't be paid travel. So if they're in London, they're expected to just get on the underground, the tube trains to go to jobs. Wow. And, and it's sort of like, and one of the big differences between now and 20 years ago, we, 20 years ago, we were still shoot, well, we were just going digital. But we were, you know, my last film camera lasted me like ten years, and it still works now. Of course, yeah. Digital cameras now they get replaced every, or the camera manufacturers are at least trying to make you replace them every two or three years. Okay, right. 
well, you know that camera you bought a year ago is rubbish. <laughs> You've got to get this one. Right, right. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, and the reason about sort of wanting to go for the lower end, it's not like I've got, I don't want to earn, do high-end weddings, but also it's partly from listening to your podcasts. Every time you get somebody on, yeah, you know, some of them are quite highly paid photographers, which I don't have a problem with. But you always say to them, but 80% of the market is this. It's true. And, and it's true. And the thing is, uh, and also I don't think from my research in the UK market is quite as buoyant as the US because the sort of prices, even sort of quite high end or more expensive side, doesn't seem to match up to what people in the US are able to charge. I noticed that when I was doing a bit of research. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, there are some. I mean, I've come across one or two people sure. who are charging, but you know, maybe six thousand dollars for a wedding. But that seems quite rare. And it's sort of well, and also sort of like I actually like being busy. I'm I'm probably weird. I would prefer to do you know, 40 weddings at $1,000 than 20 at two. Because I just think, I prefer, you know, and also it's sort of like the more weddings you do, the more referrals you're going to generate. You know, because I'm sure most photographers, once they get established, are getting work through referrals more than anything else. Yeah, that's true. I I would say, especially from my experience photographing, I mentioned this to you before we started today, but three, my first wedding I shot for $350. uh, And I I started in film actually as well. So I 35 millimeter and then also shot medium format, but um, $350. And then when I first, when we first start to put together packages, I think the packages ranged, I might even have a picture of it somewhere from like 600 to $1,200. This is back in 2001, 2002, somewhere in that realm. And, and then kind of slowly worked our way up from there. But you're right. I think at that price point, um, referrals, not so much from wedding coordinators at that point, referrals from people in the same income bracket, friends, family, that's probably more where the referrals are going to come from. Uh, and we'll talk more about this when we get to the marketing portion of our conversation. But I would also say, uh, that there's opportunity, unlike 2001, 2002, there's a lot more opportunity right now, I think with Google ads and Facebook ads, Instagram ads for that particular segment of the market. I think there, I know that we found a lot of success as well in bridal shows um, where I could go to a bridal show and put up in a booth and some really nice pictures that stood out in comparison to some of the other photographers. And I could see that opportunity with you, by the way, but we actually, at the time in the Chattanooga market, 2001, 2002, it was still very traditional in that uh, everything was in color. There was a lot of posed work. A lot of stuff was being shot in medium format. And I was shooting 35 millimeter, kind of a journalistic style. So I'd say 70% or so of the booth, the wedding booth that we put together for this bridal show was in black and white. And immediate, and we, we did it on like a textured art paper and in smaller format. And so immediately we stood out from everybody around us because the work looked different. And I could see you being able to do that with your journalistic approach. But then simultaneously, we were charging a price point that at that point kind of undercut a lot of the established competition. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. That's how the market works, right? 
but we had a lot of opportunity to be able to book quite a few weddings through that that bridal show as a result. But I'm I'm getting ahead of myself because we're gonna we're gonna talk about marketing here in just a little bit. There's so much to cover. Uh, but and and actually, Don Don just commented on Facebook, and this sets me up for the question that I have for you, Alex. She said that is definitely the truth. However, you work so much harder to make money at it because the client is strictly looking at cost and want to maximize or maximum service for the least amount. And Don makes a good point here and kind of leads me to the question, Alex, which is, um, yes, 80%, 70, 80% of the market is in that price range. So there's a lot of opportunity. The big caveat to the conversation is that because they're paying you less and you're also having to work more in order to make whatever your financial goals are for the year. I'm curious if you've kind of thought about what it will take in order to reach those financial goals. And of course, you don't have to go into those, but... Mm. Um, and be able to reach those financial goals, but not get burnt out at the same time. Have you kind of thought through that process a bit? Um, maybe, I mean, maybe in a year or two, I'll be completely wrong. <laughs> but I mean, to me, it's, I mean, there's another one of your speakers fairly recently sort of saying, the thing is, if one, you know, if you sort of take into account the wedding takes you 12 hours to do, you know, on the ground, and you're working a 40-hour week like normal people do, you should be able to turn a wedding round in a week. You know, you know, I mean, I've seen some people going, I deliver the pictures in 16 weeks. Hmm. <laughs> and I just I think they could be divorced in that time. Yeah, <laughs> so true. 16 weeks, I mean, I mean, that's partly coming from my background where we, you know, we can edit a thousand pictures in a coffee shop in an hour. I mean, I'm not saying that's to the same standard as you would want to do a wedding, but it is possible. So, um, well, I, I, I think know. you make I mean, an interesting it, point and we'll get to this, but it, yeah. you're right that, um, especially when it comes to workflow, I think photographers spend way too much time working. Wedding photographers I'll speak to specifically because I shot weddings more so than I did portrait work. Um, I, I think portrait photographers, I could even argue, uh, make a similar argument for. But whereas, uh, you know, a wedding photographer might argue that they have to work 40, 50 hours a week in order to make, make things happen. I would actually argue that it probably takes no more than 20 hours a week if you're intentional about the workflow. You take advantage of tools, which we'll discuss a little bit, little, little bit later. Um, that enable us to automate a lot of our workflow, that I, enable us to simplify a lot of our workflow. If we're also intentional about the way that we're managing time, maybe working in chunks of time instead of just kind of having a computer open all the time and on our phone all the time, then naturally we're going to waste time and we're going to work a lot less efficiently. I think the intention behind the workflow makes a, a massive difference, right? Uh, so we're going to talk about that. And, and I'll go ahead and say this at the outset for everybody listening in. This may go a little bit longer today as far as our, our normal episodes are about an hour long. We may go a little over that. Um, we're also trying to tackle a topic that really deserves probably five or six hours <laughs> if we're going to actually cover it in detail. But I'm going to try to to at least lay down some basic principles for each of the, the primary talking points. I'll share some some ideas, some suggestions. And uh, of course, Alex has brought questions to, to the conversation. And then for those of you that are listening or watching live, don't hesitate to pop in questions along the way as well. And uh, we'll, we'll try to make all this. We're going to try to do everything today at once. <laughs> we'll try to make it happen. So let, let's actually get first into the brand position, Alex. And this is this is interesting. By the way, Alex is one of the most prepared guests that I've ever had on the show. I don't think I've ever 
and over 500 and like getting close to 600 episodes now, I don't think I've ever had a photographer send me a spreadsheet of information prior to the episode. So major props to Alex for being super um, prepared here. But I, I say that laughing, but it's also a really like truly a great trait because one of the things that photographers don't do, we talk a lot about brand position here on the show. And it's important that if you're going to get into this realm that you're super clear about your brand position, that a lot of photographers haven't done thorough research of their marketplace. And the spreadsheet that Alex sent to me was a breakdown of cost or, or of what photographers are charging in his marketplace and what those averaged out to. You've actually taken time to do this, Alex. Have you also looked at kind of how they're positioning themselves, marketing themselves, how they're differentiating themselves from other photographers in their marketing message? I don't think they are. Okay. Most of them, I don't. I think very, very few of them had. Um, yeah, I didn't feel like many many of them had a really clear message. I mean, you go on about having a clear, you know, it's not even really a sentence long message at the top of your website, you know, above the fold. And I didn't feel many people had that. I mean, I think a lot of people had fallen into that thing where you go, they had the same website, which has been there for 15 years. Yep. I, you know I did I mean? see some where of that. And I felt that also felt like to me, there was an awful lot of scrolling, which I've noticed with a lot of people where you just like scrolling and scrolling. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this is this might be a terrible thing to say. I sort of see myself on the same level as like a carpenter or a plumber. I've just got a skill which I'm selling people. And what people want to know is, do you have the qualification? Can you do the job? Are you available? And how much are you going to cost? Yeah. The rest of it is sort of like, so what? Because <laughs> it's a bit sort of like, I mean, I find it quite, I mean, some people are like, you know, sometimes it's like really hard. I mean, people label up pricing differently on their website, which I find really odd. Some people, say investment, which I don't get. I mean, I feel it's like somebody once wrote an article saying, if you call it investment as opposed to price, <laughs> you'll get 20% more interest. Right, right. And then you get other people who call it packages, but then not everyone calls it the same. And then, and, and you can't actually, sometimes it's a struggle, even when people are listing their price to find their price. And it just, I mean, to me, it's just like, you want it, you want these things just at the top of the website and they never move. You know what I mean? They're not, when you scroll, they don't disappear. 100%. You're there. I, I'm and in full. Sort of like, and then it's like, are you available for the day? Because I don't, I, 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 you, you know, you've been a wedding photographer. Did anyone ever say to you, we've got everything booked, but you can't do our date. So we're going to rebook everything so we can have you. <laughs> you know? It, no, it can happen. Know, it can happen for sure. But yeah, we want to make it easy for them to know whether or not you're available for sure. I yeah, mean, that's most, most people bought the venue and then fit everything around the venue. They're not yep. sort of going, we've got everything booked. The photographer can't do it. So we're going to cancel everything and <laughs> wait for the photographer. Yeah. Certainly not to that extent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No. Um, you make some really interesting points here, but I think I, I'm, I'm kind of hearing and seeing this word in my mind, practicality. And it, Honestly, I, I think you highlight a, a significant problem. We've talked about it here on the podcast. 
um, quite a bit as well. The the lack of practicality that photographers, uh, with which photographers approach the design of their website. It is, it's a lot of pretty and a lot of fluff and in many ways kind of designed for other photographers versus the clients who are just coming there to learn what services are offered, how they differ, what they cost, and is the photographer available? And you highlighted, you highlighted that beautifully. And that's, I, I think, it, of course, there are also some cultural differences to consider, but I think at the end of the day, while sure, some brides may want a little bit of a relationship with their photographer and, and certainly feeling more comfortable with their photographer goes a really long way. I had great relationships with my clients and it paid off in the pictures that we were able to get. So I don't want to minimize that. But when we're, when we're considering the average individual, the amount of time that they're going to spend on a website, we just talked about this in a recent episode, something like 55 seconds on a page. Um, and photographers are filling it with paragraphs of information. You're absolutely right, Alex, that they're having, you're having to, even in the research that I was doing prior to our conversation, you're literally having to like scroll through and kind of squint your eyes and look through all this text in order to find that one line that's talking about the actual price on the pricing page. And that's, that's just ridiculous. There's no reason for that. So I would fully agree with you um, that practicality and simplicity should be the focus. And I think you could absolutely do that. And that would actually even encourage people if, if they know they're coming to you because there's an opportunity to find affordable wedding photography that may be the draw because somebody with a budget for example when i got married my parents paid 600 bucks for the wedding photographer and that was a lot of money for them we didn't make a lot of money and so if somebody's going to a photographer they already know ahead of time this person is, is a is a wedding photographer who is focused on the budget market and they offer a service at a price point that i can afford they're already excited about that they're taken by your images, they see you're available, and it doesn't take them more than 60, 90 seconds to find that information out because you've designed your website so simply. It, it's gonna be an almost immediate conversion, an easy conversion, certainly, um, in that context. So, But I, we're kind of jumping around. I wanna come back to, so you, you talked about the messaging. When we talk about brand position, because that's where I wanna start, you know that you wanna serve the budget market, and it, you know it, again, it could be a conversation, a podcast episode in and of itself, as long as you're comfortable with the amount of money that you can make shooting 40, 50 weddings at around a price point of say a grand or so, um, then, then that's good. I just want to make sure that's always an important conversation for photographers to, and I'll say this to everybody listening in and watching, make sure that when you're going to choose your brand position and the market that you're going to serve, that you are able to do so with both the financial consideration and the time consideration. It's always the two kind of primary components of that conversation. I know I want to make X amount a year in order to pay the bills and put some money away. And, um, and then I also know that I'm only willing to work X amount of time in a week or in a month or in a year in order to make that amount of money. So those are kind of my two primary variables that I'm looking at. And as long as you've taken the time to, to consider that, Alex, then, then that's great. And I want to keep going with the conversation. When you actually then, we get to this brand position conversation, differentiating yourself from other photographers, you're in the Newberry area, Hampshire, Bookshire, and, um, and I was looking through the list of photographers that you sent to me, and you're absolutely right. The messaging either does not exist, there's no brand position, um, or it's, you know, it's stuff like light, classic, romantic. I'm literally reading here what I took notes on. Real moments, not posed, award-winning, natural and relaxed, uh, creative, documentary and creative. It's the feelings and the memories they trigger. Capture beautiful wedding stories. These are all just kind of cute and trite phrases that uh, again, it, they seem to be almost serving the photographer more than they do the client because it doesn't really communicate what's being offered. Creative is such a vague word, right? Like it can mean so many different things to so many people. It doesn't, it, it's, there's really not a, a term of value. 
Um, and what we talk about here on the podcast when it comes to brand position is be practical using words that actually, that, that your potential client would use in their daily vocabulary, in their language. And if you say, for example, you know, affordable wedding photography for Newberry couples, there's, there's nothing to be missed there. The value proposition is there. You're calling out the target market that you're speaking to or that you want to serve. It, it can literally be as simple and as practical as that. And you know, to your point about scrolling, they don't need to scroll to find that. That can be right there along with a, a beautiful image that has some white space that makes available the space for, for that text. And keep it simple. Uh, I, did a, I did a brief search, and I'm going to recommend a tool for you and for everybody listening in. Um, there is a, a tool called Keywords Everywhere. And we'll link to this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com for anybody who's listening to the audio version of this. Maybe you're in your car right now. You can't stop to look this up. But keywordseverywhere.com um, is a really great tool. It's a plugin. It has a plugin for Firefox and for Chrome. I personally use Chrome. And it allows you, when you do Google search, not only do you see the results from that Google search, but you can it gives you um, alternative suggestions as well as to other phrases that people might be searching along with that. I, I looked at affordable. I looked at budget. And affordable um, and budget, you could, you could use those as keywords on the homepage of your site and other portion, places in your site. Uh, for the sake of SEO, but affordable wedding photography for Newberry couples or budget wedding photography for, for Newberry couples. I would suggest one of those phrases as kind of your position statement. Do a little bit of research for, for yourself as well with keywords everywhere and comparable tools. Um, but that communicates the value proposition very distinctly. Literally no one else in your market is saying anything about budget. The price, some of their prices are lower, but they're not saying anything about budget. They're not owning that space. And I think that's where the opportunity lies. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I prefer sort of affordable. A budget sounds, I know, budget sounds cheap. And a little too white. harsh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, the problem is actually what I thought was affordable. You do, some people were just charging ridiculously low prices. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you just go, I can't compete with that. Yeah, I so saw, I think starting, more... there was there was one photographer who it was for two, I think two hours they were charging, was it $500? And then they had a half day for 900 and then a full day coverage was starting like 12 or something like that. Um, I think there was one even cheaper than that. I think the first one was like 250 pounds, which was like $300. Um, yeah, so... I can't remember. How I, remember. I mean, the thing is, it's sort of, I mean, you can't, you can't compete against people who are sort of charging. It's more like I want to offer, you know, good photography at a good price, as opposed to being just completely competing on price because you can't, you can't win on that market. You know, I mean, I've got a sort of idea and I've got an idea in mind of the sort of price level I want to be at. And I understand what you're saying. You've got to try and work out how much that would bring you in if you're doing 40 weddings, let's say, which might be a reasonable number. Yeah, with cost um, of with cost of business, um, taxes, and oh yeah. th there's quite a bit that goes. Well, I say quite a bit. The, the, the primary expenses, of course, in, in this case, if you're doing a basic package, would be um, the, the cost of editing, whether that's your time you're doing that or you're outsourcing that or you're paying for a subscription for some software or even just using Lightroom's built-in automated corrections. Um, it, you, you've got the cost of editing, um, cost of any goods, if you're going to include an album or something comparable in that. 
and then of course taxes associated with it uh and then of and then kind of the larger bigger picture any cost of of software to to run your business but um once you figure that in, if you're able to, to make a, the margin that you need to charging what you said, what was the, the range that you were shooting for? Probably about, I think in dollars, it'd be about 1100. Okay. Shooting 40 to 50 weddings a year. Um, as long as that's something that that's feasible, then there's a massive opportunity. It's, it's a I mean, whole, no- yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, I was just going, the thing is I'm a single guy. I've got no commitments. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like I got, um, yeah, I mean, I will. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm maybe I'm compared looking at it wrong, but you know, I'm sort of looking back to. A lot of people don't make anywhere near that kind of money. It's very, very true. Which is again why there's an opportunity to serve that market as well. It's it's just it, it's just a question of goals. You know, different people have yeah. different goals, and I think the idea of making six figures or you know or even more potentially, um, is, is appealing. It sounds nice. You know, when you're scrolling through Instagram and you see fancy cars and homes and all this, that people like the idea of it, but practically speaking, um, what, what are the actual financial goals at the end of the day? And if, and if being able to serve this market in the way that you're describing, um, enables you to reach your goals and that's really all that matters. The only thing that I would add to that, and again, it's a whole separate conversation, but if you get to a point in a year or two years or five years where you're like, you know what, first of all, I've built up a business and it's going really well, tons of opportunity. I even have to turn business away, but I'm also getting a little bit tired. There would be opportunity to, to hire, um, either second photographers, contract photographers, or even bring in a small staff, two or three people that could actually photograph for you. It could be college students for that matter. You put together a little training program, bring them in, they shoot it for three, 400 bucks, and maybe you make four or 500 off the top. You know, um, there's, there's different ways that you can go about this model. I just think there's so much opportunity there. I think the apprehension that a lot of photographers have is very simply too little for too much time. They're not thinking about how to scale it. And I think the, where the real opportunity lies is scale potentially down the road. So again, a separate conversation. I just want to kind of throw that out there for you and everybody yeah. listening in. I mean, also I wasn't planning the only, extra I was going to give the couples was going to be, you know, one of these like branded USB sticks. Okay. So super simple. Okay. And then I was going to be using something probably pick time. Is it pick time? Uh Uh-huh. And then basically, you know, letting them make their own album, you know, pushing it onto the client rather than you having to try and handle that yourself. Because to me, it looks like if you were doing albums for your clients, I can imagine that must be a massive drain on your time. It's actually a really great point. Yeah, um, we used to work with, and I know PickTime has gotten to the space. I'm so impressed with their their platform yeah. and the design of their platform is beautiful. It's just one of the most beautiful out there. Um, and for anybody who's listening and who doesn't know, in fact, I'll just pop this up on screen really quick. If you go to pic-time, picktime.com, you can see what we're talking about here. It's just a stunning platform. What I was getting to, Alex, though, is one of the things that they've done, which I'm surprised actually more platforms haven't done this, more galleries haven't done this, is that they've begun to build in, as you can see here at the top of the page, marketing automation, where they'll actually help you do the marketing. And when I was shooting actively, I worked with a company no longer exists, but called Pictage. And much like you, I didn't have a lot of interest in kind of the post process. After we photographed the wedding, we were making the money that we wanted to with the wedding itself. 
and didn't want to spend a whole lot of time in sales after the fact. Pictage was brilliant because I could shoot the wedding. We could edit the images and upload them into Pictage. And from that point, Pictage took over. Clients came to purchase product if they wanted it, prints. We could offer albums through them if we wanted to. Um, and then they also offered uh, automated uh, marketing emails. Like if you want to run a sale or something like that, they took care of that for you. Yeah, yeah. And this is what you know, we were talking about earlier for everybody listening in too. If you're not, if you don't have a workflow that's leveraging tools like this, that enable you to automate a lot of this process, then yeah, of course you're going to work 40, 50, 60 hours a week. But if you're leveraging something like this and you're intentional about it, you can have a 15, 20 hour work week as a wedding photographer shooting a, you know, a wedding a weekend, plugging it into your workflow and your hands off. And it can be super simple like that. So I, I think that's, I think that's interesting. It's good to note um, when I'm thinking about cost and, uh, but I want to keep the conversation going though, too. So brand position, uh, affordable wedding photography for Newberry couples, or if you wanted to highlight a different market, you could potentially do that. That's what I would suggest just very simply from a brand position statement. Um, And, and that of course, we already know based on our, our, discussion that that's going to literally drive your business model. That is what you're attempting to do is to offer affordable wedding photography, your, your work. There's no question about the quality of your work, but affordable wedding photography, um, to this particular market segment in that locale and people land on your site. They're going to immediately know that because that position statement will be there at the top of the page. And I think that's great pricing. Um, just figuring in, I mean, you've already thought about the pricing and, um, and minimal cost associated with that. And honestly, I don't, I don't know if you have a particular intention with that USB stick, I would even nix that USB stick. That's additional cost. Most people are looking and, and maybe it's, again, it's a, it's a cultural thing, but at least here in the U S most people are looking at the images in a gallery. Anyway, the USB stick may get lost. And I don't know if there's a ton of benefit or additional value there. Did you have some particular idea behind that? Uh, it was just most people seem to offer it. It just okay. seems to be the bare, you know, most people that's sort of there. It's, most of them sort of go, there's an online gallery mm. and a, a customized USB stick. And you're talking, I've look, looked up the cost, you know, you're talking like $30 to get one Okay. for a wedding. You know, it's not a huge, um, it's not a huge expense. It just feels like you're, giving them there's something for them got it but most of it i want to drive through like pick time mm-hmm. so you're driving it and also the thing is a friend of mine actually it's my ex-partner said to me that every wedding she's gone to people have taken tons of pictures but they never get to see them or never get are never able to get copies of the photos so i was thinking of also offering a service of emailing all the guests at a wedding, the gallery, saying that you can do that for the, for the bride and groom. You mm-hmm. say, you supply me with the list and I can email out the gallery to everyone. Mm-hmm. So then people, you can get guests, hopefully, buying a picture of themselves. For yeah. sure. Well, and I think with the, the marketing tools that PickTime has built in, you may even be able to do something like that. I think that would yeah. be really good. Um, I, again, just to kind of keep the conversation moving, I, I think as far as the, and we'll come back to CRM here in just a second. You already talked about PickTime. They're going to help with the marketing side of things. CRM and workflow associated with that. Um, we'll touch on it in just a second, but we have a brand position. It's pretty clear. You've got work. I'm sure that you can already upload. I would just, just a little side note, a suggestion. I would, I would actually highlight your journalistic work because 
in this day and age, compared to you know, when I started 20 years ago, experience mattered. People want to know what, how long have you been shooting? And you talked about the awards that you won. And that's just not a thing anymore. At least I, I, maybe it's a little bit different in the market that you're in here. You're not, you're not leading with that. People are just curious to see your work, price point, availability. And, and that's kind of where the conversation goes. Um, so anyway, all that to say, if, if you're leading with a brand position statement, it's clear, it's upfront. I would do that on a website that's also super clean. And, oh, I'm sorry, what I was saying was lead with your journalistic work. I think that will speak for itself. You won't have to kind of prop up your, your experience. Putting that journalistic work on, on a really clean and simple website the way that you described, um, I would suggest a WordPress platform. Have you used WordPress in, in the past? No. So there's a company that I'll recommend. Um, it's actually, it was started by a, a guy who I, I worked with actually for quite some time and a friend of mine, Ross Tanner. It's called Flow Themes, F-L-O themes.com. And it is a system built on WordPress. So it's kind of plug and play. They've got templates available, but you're, you're running on WordPress. And WordPress is notoriously really good for SEO. And the tools that I'm going to recommend for SEO a little bit later are also kind of tie in there. Um, but I would suggest something like, like flow themes, because I personally also want to kind of minimize the noise and the confusion and the distractions of all so many different things going on, on, on the screen and their style of design for their themes is just beautiful. And, um, and again, it's built on WordPress, which I'll go ahead and say now it just leads me to conversation. First of all, let me, I'm talking about all these different things. I'm going to pull this up really quick, um, and show everybody who might be listening and watching. And I can also show you Alex. Uh, flow themes here on the site, create a custom photography website on WordPress. No code knowledge required. Everything is intuitive, drag and drop. And you can actually scroll down and see examples of how simple it is to use uh, their system. Lots of white space and just beautiful, beautiful design. And of course, the cool thing is you can take you can take away from, their, they, they offer templates which you can then customize. So anything that you don't want on screen, uh, you can always take away and keep it as simple as you want. But I think it's a really great starting place because it is so minimalist in nature. Just a beautiful, beautiful design. So flow themes. And by the way, nobody is paying me to talk about their company today. This is just what came to mind because um, I want simplicity and minimalism and, and beautiful design. Flow themes is that and it's built on WordPress. And uh, I've just had such incredible experience with WordPress when it comes to SEO. And so that's what I would recommend. Did you already have plans in place as far as the website goes? Not really. You know, I looked at all the usual suspects like Squarespace and things like that. I hadn't made a decision. About yeah, that. Squarespace is fine. Talk about user friendliness and they do have templates that are pretty clean. Um, when it comes to customization, it can start to get a little bit difficult. You can, you can customize only to a point and then you have to start to get a, a developer involved. I, I have a Squarespace site myself, um, just for my NathanHolworths.com, my basic website, kind of landing page. Um, and it's super user-friendly, but yeah, customization becomes a little difficult and they have a little bit of SEO tools built in, but not near what you can get with WordPress and plugins for WordPress. So okay. I, would, I would suggest moving that direction. Um, kind of best of both worlds and uh, flow themes is, is the one that I would suggest. And the reason I said WordPress and forgive me, let me grab a, a drink of water here really quick. Dry throat today for some reason. The reason I was saying uh, WordPress is because of, of the SEO tool that, that we've been using actually over at Photographers Edit. We'll be using with a new company we're launching soon called Yoast. Y-O-A-S-T. Have you heard of Yoast before? No. 
Okay, let me. I play SEO. SEO is a mystery. Oh, and, and to be clear, I'm not an expert. In fact, I'm going to recommend a few episodes here in just a second. But I wanted to to mention Yoast here real quick. So everybody sees flow themes there on site. But I'll jump over here to Yoast, and it's y o a s t dot com. And for anybody who is using WordPress in particular, they may have plugins available for other platforms. But uh, Yoast.com has been just wonderful for us over at WordPress. And we have uh, the, the front end of the Photographer's Edit. PhotographersEdit.com website is built on WordPress. Uh, we're going to be doing the same thing with the new brand that we're launching soon. And the cool thing about that is it gives us a lot of control over that process of maximizing SEO. And what happens is when you plug in Yoast to WordPress, Yoast will begin to make suggestions and even almost requirements. It'll throw red flags if, if you're not doing what you should be when it comes to SEO. It'll essentially handhold you through the process of making sure that each page that you create is super SEO friendly. And so Yoast, I'm, I'm going to recommend highly when it comes to SEO. It's a really, really powerful tool. And uh, they've got a free version. So, and, and then I think the paid version, I don't know what amounts to like 10 or 15 bucks a month or something like that. It's minimal cost and just biggest bang for the buck when it comes to SEO and any kind of a plugin for WordPress. Right. The other thing that I'll, <clears throat> excuse me, mention as well, um, super important. It may seem to go without saying, but photographers listening in and, and also for you, Alex, if, if you haven't thought about this, make sure for the sake of SEO that um, you are adding alt text to images. WordPress, the way that WordPress works is when you upload images, it'll give you the option to be able to tag those images and to add the alt text in there. And Google is certainly going to look at the alt alternative text that you associate with images, and that will help with SEO. That's super important. And I think Yoast even has a, um, a, a tool or reminder probably built into that to, to help you with that too. But nonetheless, super important. Um, H1 and H2 tags using the keywords that you want to rank for. So when you talk about affordable wedding photography, uh, Newberry, for example, making sure that you're building that into the H1 and H2 tags. And you can learn more about all of this in the podcast episodes I'm going to share in just a second, but just a few, few touch points. I already mentioned Yoast. I'm just looking at my notes here. Uh, Yoast for WordPress and then keywords everywhere uh, that I mentioned earlier as well, just as a way to um, search alternative phrases or some of the additional phrases, top three, four, five additional phrases that are popular in searches. Um, you can use keywords everywhere to help you in searching for that. And then for everybody listening in, there are three different episodes that we've had on or that, that we put on, I think in the last year and a half or so, Alex, uh, episode 432 SEO for photographers with Corey Potter and Dylan Howell. And then episode 511 UX and SEO for higher website conversions with Julia Bocchesi. And then episode 535, just recently, a fresh approach on SEO tactics with Fusa Rice. And um, we'll link to those in the show notes uh, when, when we publish the audio version of this episode. We'll link to those in the show notes at bocapodcast.com for everybody listening in. But um, I, I, those couple of bullet points that I threw out there, Alex, is just from personal experience and, and chatting with our head of digital marketing, some of the key ideas, but um, it also super basic. Those three episodes will give you a head start. Right. And I know that Fusa... Uh, it, Fusa Rice offers consulting services. I think Julia does as well. Uh, I'm not sure if Corey is actively right now, but these are resources that you could also go to for from a professional, not me, yeah. <laughs> from a professional yeah, yeah, that yeah. could actually help you set up SEO. But I'll, I'm telling you, Yoast and WordPress, those two things just from the get-go, you'll be kind of miles ahead. 
um, just to give you a head start. That sounds pretty important. For sure. And, and you know, I mean, Oh, go ahead, please. No, I just mean, I remember setting up my first website years ago, which I sort of did myself. And it was really easy to get ranked on Google back, back then. You know, you just had to basically put London. For, it didn't seem, now it just seems so, so complicated. It just seems, you know what I mean? It's the days of it being relatively straightforward. Mm. I, and even from my brief sort of research into it, it just seems to be changing almost on a weekly basis, you know. Yeah, what what Google is putting emphasis on is definitely changing. Um, And and, I guess it's kind of an ongoing thing, as you pointed out. Uh, But for a head start, Yoast will be really good because it's kind of plug and play. So they once you plug that into WordPress um, on each page, it literally tells you, hey, you need to do this, this, this and this. And this is too short. and You need to add more text here. Um, or you need to highlight these keywords here and there. It's 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 really, really helpful, especially for an amateur like me. Yeah, yeah, it's and and you know we want we know it's important, and uh, there are definitely professionals that I mentioned that we can go to for help. But when we're talking about a budget conscious wedding business or photography business model, we also have to think about the cost expenses involved. So leveraging tools like this that don't cost us a whole lot to be able to give us a head start, I think, are important. So I definitely recommend those. Again, I'm not the professional. I mentioned mm-hmm. professionals earlier, so I would certainly recommend that anybody listening in or watching. Um, go to Fusa or Julia or Corey and Dylan uh, if you want some more professional recommendations there. But just wanted to throw out a few key pointers. Any, anything on SEO or the website that you wanted to kind of add on before we keep going, Alex? No, I mean, that sort of sounds really useful information. I mean, the SEO thing I know is really important, but I really don't understand it. You know, I just don't. It's sort of just like, even when I listen I think I've listened to a couple of those podcasts and even mm. when I listen to them, it just sort of goes over my head. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, just like, it's just like, what are they talking about? It's just sort of like yeah. speaking a different language, really. Yeah. But yeah, that Yoast thing sounds useful because that's the problem. It's sort of like, I don't even know what an H1, you know, what, what the different tags are. And I just don't really, under, I know they're there, but I don't understand how they work. Yeah. Fair enough. I, that's a good place to start. And um, they've got quite a few resources on their site too. They have a blog, so you can reference those as well. Um, okay, well, we're going to keep going. And I know that for everybody listening in, we're kind of just scratching the surface on each of these topics, but we're going to keep the conversation going. Let's jump to marketing. And let me start, Alex, I, I, and I should have done this before as well. Do you have any kind of questions, specific questions to lead the conversation about marketing? I assumed it was going to be mainly based around um, the website. So then based on SEO, but um, I'm always open to ideas about how to market. I mean, yeah, I, I think I think I'm not going to be, I probably won't be back in the UK. I've just received an offer on my house here. So I'm probably not going to be back in the UK till early autumn. So it's probably going to be heading into the end of the wedding season rather than the beginning. Okay. So you've got a little bit of time. Uh, yeah, yeah. The thing about SEO, it, it's extremely powerful, but as you also pointed out, there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of people on there. Now, now you type in, you know, Newberry wedding photographer and you're going to get a ton of results. So it's going to take a little bit to get up to a place where you're competitive in the first page or two. Uh, so relying on that exclusively for exposure and then ultimately being able to book clients is going to be a, a tough, tough thing to do initially. 
it's my suggestion outside of those kind of brief suggestions I made for the website, clear brand position, making sure that you're beginning to develop an SEO strategy using Yoast and potentially the help of some others is to, to start thinking a little bit about, um, well, first of all, let's talk about bridal shows. Are bridal shows as common in the UK at the moment? I'd say, uh, I, I remember being sent a photograph one many years ago for the newspaper, so I know they exist. <laughs> okay. But, um, I think, they, you know, one of those things, it's a bit like, unless you're getting married, you don't know anything about them. Fair <laughs> enough. Know. Fair enough. Well, the only reason I ask I, again I is because of... Exist. Okay. I know that um, when, when I was shooting actively, and, and I'm not as familiar at the moment, but <clears throat> when I was shooting actively, there were... If, if you charge, as we started to raise our prices, and we were getting to a place where maybe it's three to five and then higher than that, it didn't really make sense to go there anymore because it seemed that the traffic that it attracted, at least at the local bridal show, may have been different in some others, but the local bridal show, it, 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 we weren't talking about the high-end bride. And so they were going to be attracted to the prices at the low end. And we had pretty great success. I think coming off of one bridal show, we booked... I want to say like 13 weddings off of just one show. We may have spent a thousand dollars to have a booth there, something in that in that ballpark. But we we booked something like 13 weddings. It was it was a really successful venture. But we did that at a time when we were charging a relatively low price point. So that's my personal experience. I don't want to make suggestions just based on you know an individual experience. But I do know from personal experience that that tended to be the case in our market, where that price point that you're talking about charging may actually garner you quite a bit of attention an opportunity right. to be able to book a client. So you may at least look into that. Um, and, you know, based on the cost and the potential opportunity there, looking at some of the competition that's going to be there, make some decisions about that. Uh, wedding, I think I alluded to this earlier briefly, but wedding coordinators are not going to be as, uh, I guess, appealing a resource for business when we're talking about this price point of, let's say, 1,200 pounds or so. Uh, because cord or excuse me, brides or grooms who are hiring a photographer at that price point likely don't have the budget to hire a coordinator. Maybe a friend or family member um, in that case and not necessarily a professional. And so we're not looking to coordinators for referrals and for business as much as a, say, a $5,000, maybe even a $3,000 photographer would. So where I tend to still go here at this price point is uh, a few things. One, or two things, really. Google... Um, it, Google's ad platform is it, it, the most recent version is called Google Performance Max. And this is not a platform that I can speak about from kind of an expertise standpoint or an expert standpoint. Uh, it's something that we're actually beginning to tap in ourselves, tap into ourselves. But there, there would be an opportunity at, I think, a relatively low price point to be able to start to get some attention, some traction. When people are searching Newberry Wedding Photographer, you may not pop up organically, but you might start popping up through an ad and be able to get their attention. It's sitting at the top of the page anyway. Um, might be able to start to get some attention to your site once it's actually set up. Uh, might be able to start to get some attention that would drive some inquiries and some business that way. So Google Performance Max, spend a little bit of time kind of starting to dig into that. Um, it's Unfortunately, it's a platform that is that does not have a lot of resources out there yet for on the education side. We're having to kind of... Um, I guess just work our way into it by, you know, Googling and playing and experimenting and, but there aren't, you can't go to 50 different websites for a, a course on how to actually get it started. So a little bit of a process, but the reason I recommend it is because 
it is, unless something changes, it is going to be what Facebook used to be, say, three or four years ago. Uh, in that, it, you're able to, to target the potential client more effectively, more specifically, based on certain parameters. You can do that way better than what you can now with Facebook. Wow. Facebook made a lot of changes to, you know, with privacy and, and totally understandable, but it just is what it is. They, you're much more limited now with Facebook, Google Performance Max. You have some really incredible abilities to be able to get really specific about who you want to see those ads. And especially at the price point that you're at, I think that's going to be a really powerful potential tool. So that would be the first one. I realize this all amounts to a little bit of investment up front. Um, you know, maybe a few hundred bucks uh, here and there, getting some ads running, maybe a little bit more over the over time, the first year in particular, spending some money doing these things. But I think this will help get your your business off the ground. So that's one. And then I, I still would suggest Facebook. Um, and one of the things that we've found, there's quite a bit of benefit and the price point is quite manageable in running traffic ads. Um, and this is getting a little bit technical, but Facebook on a very simple level, you can, you can run traffic ads to get people to your site. And then you can kind of retarget those same people that came to your site and run conversion ads, uh, and, and hopefully actually book some clients through that. Those conversion ads now are not as effective because of the changes that Facebook have made. And so running target or excuse me, traffic ads for the sake of exposure, what'll drive, drive people to your site, um, is, is a relatively inexpensive way to get eyes on your brand and potentially a way to convert. Now you can, you can follow that up with kind of retargeting efforts, but I would still at least experiment with Facebook and, and it, experiment is the key here. There are plenty of resources about Facebook ads, but part of it does come down to your brand specifically and how you're running your, your, your brand and what you're trying to accomplish and a little bit of experimentation with, um, both the targeting as well as the calls to action, the type of images that you're using, you can kind of experiment with what converts the best. I would still recommend Facebook and Instagram. Again, limited in its in its ability to be able to target super, super specifically, but a relatively low cost way to get exposure to your brand. Hmm. So honestly, those are my two recommendations. And it may seem simplistic, but when it comes to this, um, this particular market segment, I, and I know I can speak to at least the US market, the, the ads that I see running on Facebook or on Instagram, um, they are, I think, very much fitting to the demographic that you're trying to reach um, and probably where there's quite a bit of success or still opportunity for success. So I'd go there and I'd go to Google Performance Max and, and start with that. Now, networking, I still have to add this on because there's still opportunity and it sounds like it's more commonplace uh, as you're describing and as I saw in, in my research that that is more commonplace for, for photography to be offered at, you know, 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 in that marketplace, uh, even more so than we're seeing here in the U.S., and so there may still be opportunities to network with vendors, local net uh, business events, wedding vendor business events, networking mm. events. And that's something that we found some success in. So I, I would go ahead and throw that out there because I think it's, you can't ever just like get rid of the potential for some of these, what can be really important pieces of the puzzle. But where I'd kind of that 80-20 principle where I'd really focus my attention and effort would be performance max and then, and then Facebook ads as right. well. Yeah, I mean, we don't seem to have wedding coordinators as much in the UK. I mean, they seem to be a really big thing in the US. But Interesting. In the UK, okay. I mean, it's just from what I've researched, you know, when you put it in, you know, do a Google on it for the UK, you don't get a lot of people. Um, I've got, can you give me a second? 
I'm just running out of money on my phone. So. Oh, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so I'm having to do this all over the phone. Uh, uh, no worries at all. Yeah. So for everybody listening in, I know that we've kind of touched on a lot of, well, while Alex is setting up his phone there, I know we've touched on a lot of different talking points here and we're really just kind of barely scratching the surface. All of these topics we've covered in more detail on individual podcast episodes. And I've had, of course, experts coming in and, and um, speaking to these various talking points. If you just go to bocapodcast.com and I'll pull this up here for, for everyone listening in. So you can actually see this because I don't think we highlight this enough. It's such a great resource. Go to bocapodcast.com and you can see there at the very top of the page, right underneath uh, our position statement, welcome to Boca, the photography podcast that helps photographers build sustainable businesses. Right underneath that, the search episodes bar, you can search for specific episodes or you can just search a topic. Search that topic there and you know whether it's SEO or Facebook or Pinterest, um, going on and searching for these various topics and actually getting detailed breakdown on those topics from experts. Uh, I'm just kind of scratching the surface here. That is going to be really important. So make sure that you take advantage of that tool there. All right, Alex, are we good to go? I think we lost Alex. Okay. So I'm going to, we're going to keep going here. Um, and the other thing that I'll throw out there for everybody, I know that, um, oh, we got Alex calling back in. Hold on one second here. All right, we got the guest in the green room. There he is. We got you, Alex. Sorry. You used up all my credit on the phone. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Okay. One of, the, one of the disadvantages of being in Nairobi. Oh, okay, so you're actually based in Nairobi at the moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm here. I'm literally, like I said, that's... Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, wow. Wow. I'm wow. Okay. Yeah. I can, I can, I can have never been before. Yeah. I can imagine there's some of those, some of those challenges for sure. Okay. Well, I want to, as we're finishing up here, um, I know that we've, again, we've just barely scratched the surface on each of these topics, brand position. We talked about pricing and services, website, SEO, um, marketing. Again, I know that the, the approach is simplistic, but by the way, what I'm also suggesting to you, Alex here, and, and for the record, for everybody listening in is also kind of the approach that I would take at this point. I had in mind, and I may still do it at some point, an idea to kind of prove a concept and start a, a comparable business model here in the Chattanooga area. Um, and literally, it's affordable wedding photography for Chattanooga couples was the position statement that I was that I would planned on using. Uh, because I think there's I've seen an opportunity. Say that again. I've seen your website. Oh, you have. Okay, so you know. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, there is yeah. actually a, a site live, just a very very simple website that's live, um, and, and I may still pursue that, but. The recommendations and suggestions that I'm making are, are kind of how I would approach this as well. And if you have more detailed questions, of course, feel free to ask those. But let me just touch really quickly on the workflow piece because this is, as nerdy as this might even seem to some, the reality is that if we're going to run a business model that is charging low prices, we need to maximize the value of our time, the way that we're using our time to maximize the profit, right? So that means efficiency is key. Uh, you already mentioned pick time and how pick time, of course, we talked about, it's not just a gallery, but it does your marketing for you. So already you're leveraging a tool that is really powerful in that sense. CRM is really important for the sake of automating a lot of the interaction with the client. And I, I think one of the issues that you had run into, you said was with scheduling. Is that right? Well, I just had this idea that I wanted, you know, um, a lot of these CRMs will have a um, form you have up on your website. 
and the client's meant to fill out the form and then it comes to the CRM and you know, then you contact the client. And I was hoping there'd be a way of automating the form. So when it came to you, it has the date of their wedding on it. So if you're already booked for the wedding, you would just have to send an automatic email back to them saying, sorry, I'm not available. And if you're free for that date, you could send an automatic email saying, that's great. I can do your wedding. Mm. Here's a calendar, you know, a calendar. Calendly. Mm-hmm. So, so they can book a time to have a meeting with you. Mm. But the, all the CRMs I've contacted said, oh, no, we can't do that. I think that the way that most of these, unless I'm misunderstanding, I think the way that most of these CRMs have designed the process is rather than this kind of back and forth with email, you simply make your your availability known through their calendar system. Very similar, actually, to the way that Calendly does. So if, yeah. if I just wanted to keep it simple and use Calendly and not worry about a, a full CRM, I would simply choose which dates I wanted to make available in, in my calendar. I could block them off in my Google Calendar. Calendly would see that. And it would only allow for the Saturdays, let's say I only want to shoot weddings on Saturdays, for the Saturdays that I am not busy. I can mark on my Google Calendar that I'm busy. Calendly sees that and it removes that from the calendar. If, if I'm not marked busy, then the, the client would be able to choose that particular date and go ahead and book it. And you know, then would ensue that kind of back and forth of the email that you were talking about. I think the way that, that HoneyBook, um, and I mean, I actually pulled up a number of them here. Let me share my screen real quick um, for everybody listening in. So there was, there was actually an article if somebody wants just kind of a, a summary of CRMs. Bloom, which is also a CRM, wrote an article summing this up if you go to blog.bloom.io and um, summed up kind of the list of existing CRMs. But Dubsado, uh, they have a scheduling booking process that, that they have available there on well, through their CRM. Uh, we've got Shootproof here, which owns Tave. And uh, it looks like they've got a, a scheduling system built in right. as well. Um, Sprout Studio, they have a, a process there for booking clients as well. So a calendar, you can choose a date. And of course you would designate availability. Pixify is another one that has appointment scheduling. Um, 17 Hats, uh, another really powerful platform. And it, it, I don't know if I saw specifically the the, the booking feature uh, there on their site, but as as well as I know their owner and and um, as, as comprehensive a platform that is, as that is, it's likely built in. HoneyBook, I think you had mentioned HoneyBook. They actually have a feature very much like Calendly built yeah. in um, that allows you to schedule meetings and you could do something like this that would be comparable for weddings. So, for, you know, for let's say you want to shoot weddings on Saturdays, you can make your availability known for an all-day event or an eight-hour event on Saturdays and do the same thing. Yeah, maybe... I mean, the problem is quite a lot of the CRMs don't only work within the US and Canada. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I was I got in touch with HoneyBook, and they're just like, we only work in the US and Canada. Really? That's really interesting. Yeah. Does Calend- is, do the, is Calendly do work in, in the UK? Yeah, Calendly does. And okay. um, the one, Studio Ninja seems very international. Okay. Um, I think it's partly to do with the payment schedules. Mm. They don't have it set up to do international payments. Hmm. So it's sort of like, you know, yeah, no, quite a few of them won't. I don't, haven't 
I know, yeah, Honey Book were just like, yeah, we don't. We don't. <laughs> Didn't even really answer the yeah, yeah. That's surprising. Well, again, I, I would just, for anybody listening or watching and, and Alex for you as well, I mean, I, I think yeah. there's, if, if you just go to, and I'll, I've got it here up on screen, but it's called 15 Best CRMs for Photographers, yep. 2022 edition. You can Google that, anybody listening in. We can link to it in the show notes as well. And cool. uh, there's a pretty comprehensive list there. And, and check and see, I, I would assume this day and age that any company who's online is going to make their services available internationally as well. It seems a little bit backwards not to, but... Um, I, maybe that's not the case, but yeah, that's, there are plenty of platforms available that will help simplify that scheduling process. They're mm -hmm. not necessarily the email workflow that you talked about, but where somebody literally yeah. can see your availability, book it. And, and then you would get an automated email saying somebody booked it based on your availability. So that's how that would work. Mm. What do you, and yeah. then, so that's the CRM portion, but what do you do for, um, email and calendar? Are you just using Google, the Google suite for that? Yeah, at the moment, yeah, to be honest, at the moment, I have so few appointments, I don't really have to do those. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it'll be setting up. I mean, yeah, currently, which I found out through your podcast, mm -hmm. you know, I can see how because you know, it just makes life so much easier rather than we've all had that where you're phoning somebody up or like, trying to make an appointment to photograph somebody and it's sort of like, I can do choose, you know, it's just like, even when you're just doing it by the phone, it's a pain. Yeah, you know, yeah. I can do, you know, makes life a lot simpler. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. Um, well, I, I think if nothing else, you could start with Calendly. And then if if, if there's not, it just seems so weird to me that a CRM wouldn't make their services available overseas. But uh, then, then you could find a CRM that, that might have that, that option available for you. Because ultimately, again, we want to consolidate. I think one of the things that helps with efficiency a lot when it comes to workflow is consolidating work uh, tools that we use mm -hmm. for that workflow. A lot of photographers get excited about all these tools, whether it's their shooting workflow with all their gear or their actual workflow in their, their office workflow, you know, all these plugins and pieces of software and, and hardware and so forth. And it just unnecessarily complicates the workflow. If you have a, a gallery system like PickTime, you have a CRM, whatever that ends up being. Um, and then you've got simple Gmail and, and Google Calendar, calendar mm. which by the way, is available to you any and everywhere, right? You can even log into from somebody else's uh, computer. I, I love the flexibility of that. Of course, you have access to it on your phone as well. Um, I, I want something that's light and and simple and efficient that I can take with me anywhere. And so I've been using the Google suite for, for quite some time for its flexibility and its speed as well. And I would recommend that. I know you mentioned editing as well as part of it, because that's really the only remaining part of the, the mm. actual workflow. I think photographers, again, kind of overcomplicate what they have to do in a week. It's not that complicated, really. Um, what about editing? Do you do that on your own? Have you kind of experimented yeah, with outsourcing? Always, I mean, obviously, I've you know partly from you know your podcast listening. I mean, I I never even realised there was outsourcing of editing to mm -hmm. be honest till recently. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's obviously that, but certainly to start off with, I'm probably going to ha have to handle it myself. But it's like you said. I mean, it's is sitting down and doing it in a way. It's a, I mean, I was interested, like, I mean, you've mentioned in the past how some photographers will spend like half an hour trying to decide between 10 photos of the same thing. Right. And to be honest, once you're down to that 10, you only have to pick one, you know what I mean? It's not like, you know, so, I mean, the thing which I do find a bit weird about wedding photography is this, emphasis on the number of shots you're going to 
photos you're going to supply of a wedding. You know, I supply 500 shots. I supply 600 shots. I mean, 500 shots is a lot of photos. It is. I mean, I saw somebody say today, it was one of the ones I looked at today when I was going through that, for that spreadsheet. One of the people was saying they, they supplied like 1,200 shots. And I'm just thinking, that's a lot of, that's a lot of photos for anyone to look through. You know, and I don't, but see, the thing is, I don't think photographers think about that. Again, they're thinking about kind of thinking about themselves and how they see it. And that's not discussed enough. You're absolutely right. A thousand pictures. I would venture that a client, maybe with one except, maybe the first time they look at the pictures, they're going to actually go through all those images. But when are they going to look at 1,200 pictures? It just doesn't make a lot of sense. And I think, you know, Alex, with the business model that you're talking about, offering three or 400 images. Um, for say an eight hour day is is more than enough, especially if they're high quality images. That, that's the other thing. Photographers are just shooting everything, any and everything. And then the quality suffers because you're not going to deliver 1200 stunning images. It's going to be, you know, maybe 200 stunning images. And then the rest are kind of go down from there. Um, and also so, it depends on the wedding. Sorry. Also no, no, it please. It depends on the wedding. Yeah. It depends on the wedding. If you've got a wedding of 50 people, that's gonna, you're going to get less pictures than if you've got a wedding of 200 people just by just by not, you know, sure. You're not going to have the. I mean, I find it just sort of a weird thing. It's a bit like camera manufacturers always going on about megapixels. It's just like, just because you have more megapixels doesn't necessarily make it a better camera. And it's just the same sort. Of, and also, it's sort of like somebody going, if you book me for six hours, I'll give you four hundred pictures. If you book me for eight hours, you know, they magically find another three hundred photos, and you're going. It doesn't seem to make any sense to me, but sure. Well, I, I think, but I think it's important that you highlight that because when, when we're talking about the idea of outsourcing editing, but you're charging twelve hundred bucks to you know for the wedding, you have minimal cash to play with. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. your if all you're delivering is a USB stick, and let's say maybe let, let's consider it about ten dollars cost for the gallery, the, the hosting of the gallery at mm-hmm. pick time, um, and there may be a few other kind of a, random uh, costs here and there, but. The, the biggest cost is going to be the USB drive. Then the only additional cost would be the editing. And if you're delivering, let's say 300 images or let's, even 400 images, 400 images at roughly 25 cents a piece, you're talking about a hundred dollars, right? So mm. it's, it's not, it, it's a, in the scheme of things, you're talking about 10% or so of your gross margin, but it's going to then potentially save you hours on end. If you, if you can edit that in an hour, it may be better for you to do it yourself. Most photographers can't. Um, they're spending, you know, eight, 10, 12 hours, 16, 20 hours editing, post producing the images after a wedding. And that's eating up way too much time. That 20 hour workflow or a 20 hour a week workflow can be had by outsourcing that one of the most time consuming elements of the business. So for, let's, let's say you call the images that you shot down to 400 images that you're going to deliver your client. You send those to photographers edit. It's a hundred bucks or, you know, 300 images, roughly $75 to, to get those images edited based on your style, your preferences that you share. And you still have quite a bit of, of um, margin left no, I can over. Definitely can, I can, you're right. I mean, that's, you're definitely right in that kind of um, scenario. You know, if you're doing, if you've got sort of weeks, you know, weeks of weddings booked up for every Saturday, it's going to make a lot of sense to take some of that workload away. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, 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 culling the images, I find a bit, I'd find that bit difficult to hand over because I always feel like 
they don't actually know what happened during the day. So they might, you might have reshot something later in the day. So you don't want to, you sort of know for some reason the first lot of pictures weren't the right ones. And you know what I mean? You have to, you don't exactly know how it all panned out. Yeah, I get the, I get the yeah. concern where our team and we've been processing images now for 14 years, millions and millions and millions of images. Yeah. And our, our kind of most experienced editors have looked at so many images and know the patterns and know what to look for. And what photographers who do have us do the culling, what they can do is they'll actually note, hey, look for this particular thing or keep this in mind or these 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 additional images, make sure you keep those. Um, and they'll just make that note. And that kind of handles that concern that something might be missed because the reality is most weddings, the, the, the way that most weddings play out, that pattern is pretty easily recognizable when we process as many images as we, as we do. Um, so it's not too much of a challenge. I would say probably 70%, uh, 75% or so of our clients ha do their own calling and, and send us the rest. But there's certainly a, a quite a number of them that, that have, in fact, actually an increasing number that have had us do, do their calling. So the option definitely yeah. exists there. Any, any questions though? I, I, again, we kind of just scratched the surface. Any specific questions about workflow that I may not have answered that we can get into before we finish well, uh, up? Photographic workflow or the picture what? workflow. At, on the actual day of the wedding? I know, no, I mean, I'm not to, to I mean, I've done it, like I said, I've done a few, work, you know, I do, I mean, I find it quite useful because like I said, I've been doing a lot of research about weddings and looking at people's, I mean, there are some things I just hadn't ever come across until I started looking at other people's um, wedding photography. Sure. I, mean, I was like a, a bit amazed when I started seeing like the bride and her um, bridesmaids all wearing the same dressing gowns and stuff. I've never come across. Sure, sure, sure. Things like, you know, I've never seen that in my life before. So at least now I sort of know that goes on. It's sort of like, I've hardly, you know, you know sort of, there's sort of some weird weirdness <laughs> around what people do at weddings. It's sort of like strange sure. things. It's like I said to you before, if you're not getting married, you don't know. Yeah, there's there's definitely you're, you're going to see a wide range of things out there for sure. Um, but when it comes to the actual, you said the picture workflow. So you're talking about after you shoot the wedding? Yeah, editing. I mean, <clears throat> I'm not particularly. I mean, I've done big editing down work. Isn't um, as long as I know I've got to do it, I can do it. You know, that's why I, in some ways I prefer to have be quite busy because if I know there's another wedding coming, I have to get on with it. Right. Whereas if you, you know, if you know, go, oh, that, that next wedding's in six weeks time, I can tell you I'll be just sat there for like a week, not doing anything, but that's just human nature. Yeah. So, I mean, workflow, there's so many different areas of the workflow that we could talk about. Um, are you, do you mean the actual process of editing the images, the approach to that? Oh, no, I'm not, I know I'm not really worried about, it. I mean, I'm sort of used to doing editing. It's, it's something I've, you know, I've been doing it for, God, like I say, since basically we had my last 20 years. Sure, sure. Knocking, you know, I mean, old thing of putting, putting them through photo mechanic and then putting them through Lightroom. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, but I can see the benefit of outs outsourcing it um, as well, if you can afford to do that. And that's, yeah, I mean, when it comes to workflow, it, it's, it is certainly probably one of the most time, the biggest time savings, the, um, the actual, I think the thing that, that helped myself and my business partner when we were shooting weddings was 
having a workflow down so that we knew how we would shoot an event which translated to we, we, we some photographers would say, well, I can, you know, I can, I don't know how many images I'm going to get back from an event. It, it could be this many, it could be this many. I don't know. But there was a certain intention in the way that we photographed, which then to your point, Alex kind of led to a place where we didn't have to overshoot. We came back with a certain number of images pretty consistently. And then from that, we knew that we were going to deliver roughly 30%. So it was very easy mm -hmm. to do the math and the planning. Um, and in the case of then being able to outsource that, it makes it so much easier as well. Uh, we offer a, a service at, at Photographer's Edit that that is an even faster turnaround time. In order to do that, you have to schedule the event in advance. And you say, I'm going to send you this many images on this particular day. And a lot of photographers have a hard time with that because they're like, I how can I tell you how many images I'm going to send you? I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm just going to go shoot the wedding. And and I think that's that lacks kind of an intention and a strategy. And I think if you go into to shooting an event with an intention, with a strategy and being more particular about the images that you are photographing, uh, it helps minimize overshooting. And if you come up with a consistent workflow, it also helps in the consistency and the finished product as well. So uh, that's just a little extra tidbit, but otherwise, yeah, that, that'll save you a good bit of time. And the cool thing is if, if you outsource that piece of it, and this is something a lot of photographers miss, they think about the upfront cost. They don't think about what they could do that with that time that would actually be more valuable, literally. What you could be doing with that time, whether it's an hour or two hours or three hours or whatever it is, is taking that and allocating that time and effort and energy to, to running those ads, the Google Max, our oh. Performance Max ads, um, the Facebook and Instagram ads. Probably initially just investing in time in, in that learning curve, understanding the platforms, learning how to use them, and then beginning to to design the ads, right? To write the ads, to come up with the images. And at Google Performance Max actually will do a lot of that work for you. You give it, you feed it some information and it kind of, the, the AI does a lot of the work for you. But at the very least, putting time into in learning how that platform works. And then for Facebook and Instagram, learning how to write copy and what images work best. Investing the time in that, which is gonna to translate to revenue mm. versus investing, versus sitting in front of your computer and editing those images yourself. Let us do that work so you can do the stuff that will actually generate more revenue. That's the goal. And that's what I would yeah. suggest. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I agree. It's uh, good food for thought. There's, there's no pressure meant to, there's, I'm not meant to pressure oh, no, you no, to, I, to a sales I, pitch I can, here. I understand. I mean, I, the thing is, I also sort of like, because I've got all this time on my hands because I'm sort of here, sat here in Nairobi, not able to do anything. I, it means I can put a lot of research into things. And from a lot of your previous speakers, it seems like they get into this crisis situation because, you know, they start off quite, you know, maybe just as a, not a fun thing, you know, it's sort of, you know, I'm going to give it a go and they start doing, and then suddenly one day they realize they've got 30 weddings booked up and they're totally snowed under. And um, so I'm, ho I'm, trying to, I'm trying to set things up um, with a plan of things getting busy as, uh, from a quiet start, as opposed to trying to set up stuff when I'm busy. That's, that's super smart. If you have that opportunity, that lead time, as you're getting ready to move back and you go into the market and you can just go all in, I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Because here's the thing, there are, you do have competition. We'll kind of finish up with this. You do have competition in that you have photographers in that market that are shooting in that price range somewhere mm -hmm. close by anyway. So you're not, you're not coming in unique with a price point. You're coming in though unique with, in, with your brand position. And you have an opportunity if you're willing to make an investment up front 
to essentially canvas that marketplace with those ads. Um, and then potentially, and I, you know, the, the, when it comes to the network piece of it, because I don't know that, that local market specifically, I don't know what the wedding scene looks like there and how many network events there might be and um, other vendors that you might be able to collaborate with who work with clients in that price point. There may be, still be opportunities there, but at the very least, if you go in, lead with that brand position, a really strong site that represents this brand position, and then you've got ads that you, that you run galore on Google and on Facebook, and, and canvas that marketplace, especially going into, um, how soon are you moving back? As long as this, as long as this sale of the house doesn't fall apart, um, and within about three months. Okay. So you may have a little bit of the wedding season left. So this may be like really kind of planning for the upcoming year, 2023 yeah, season. Yeah. yeah. So you've got, you actually have a really nice bit of time then to do both the, the research work that you need to on those ad platforms and learning that, developing some familiarity with it, and then get ready to just go all in. Because and what I, this is what I was getting to. If you do that, if you prepare, you go in with a really great strategy, and then you just canvas that marketplace um, with that message and that messaging, I think there's going to be a really interesting opportunity to, to be able to book very, very quickly at that price point. It's going to be such an appealing price point. And if, if somebody sees an ad fed to them, which is, you know, wedding photography starting at $9.99, it, it's going to be like, oh yeah, I'm in, right? Um, so there's opportunity to be able to pick up a lot, a large percentage of that market and very, very quickly. And uh, I, yeah, you should be ready. So I think it's great that you're planning in advance so that when, you, when you're ready to go live with it, you can just focus on, on showing up and shooting those weddings. I think that's going to be great. Fingers crossed. <laughs> That's right. Well, and, and um, I, I know, again, that we just very, very much scratched the surface. So don't, don't be shy after our conversation today to, to shoot me a DM. Um, if you have more specific individual questions, I just kind of gave some really basic touch points here with each oh, of these know, topics. But useful. Okay, good. Well, I, I hope I'm so. And for those of you listening in, same thing. I know that we just scratched the surface, but as I recommended earlier, don't hesitate to go to bocapodcast.com and search these topics. I know I mentioned some specifically specific episodes, but search these topics. There's well over 500 episodes of content there. And we pretty much touched on all of these topics at one point or another in more detail and with, with experts. So I'll leave it at that, Alex. Um, I, I really appreciate you making time to come on and, and have this conversation today and get, let others kind of join in and listen in as well. Well, I hope people found it useful. I, I found it very useful. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear it. Everybody, make sure that you go to bocapodcast.com. We'll have the, the show notes for the episode posted there once the audio version of this goes out. And uh, for those of you listening to the audio version, come join us sometime for the live version at um, youtube.com slash bocapodcast and facebook.com slash bocapodcast. Thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful day.